Welcome to the Chi Alpha UNC podcast. We're excited that you've decided to stop by. We're in a series called Verses That Changed Our Lives. Each week you will hear from one of our staff members about a Bible story that completely changed them. Today, Jacob continues our series by looking at Genesis 50, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. This message was recorded on October 13th, 2022 at the Columbine Suites at the UC. Please join us every Thursday at 7 p.m. at the UNC campus. All are welcome. Come as you are, leave as a new creation. Lovely faces tonight. Um, We've got some announcements for you. First up, uh, we are still doing prayer meetings, believe it or not. We, We are praying on this campus. Right. And uh, we want you guys to join with. Right. Will you guys join us in praying for this campus? We have uh, two weekly prayer meetings. One is at 5 p.m. on Mondays at the library. Uh, Jacob Taylor Peck is leading those up. Yep, yep. Um, wow. All right. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we're actually doing a prayer walk. Uh, Mark, Mark is heading up a prayer walk Tuesdays at 3.30. So you should go. You should go, you know, pray for the campus because it needs it for sure. That's right. Lord. Okay, so up next, something, guys, Missions Week is yeah, come on. up. Guys, I don't know about you guys, but this is seriously one of my favorite weeks of the year. And just notice, this is not Missions Night. This is Missions Week. And so Missions Week will be the first full week in November. That's for, um, November 6th through the 10th. We'll be doing things every single day that week, and that is from, that's four weeks from now. Say four weeks. Four weeks. Four weeks. Uh, more, most importantly. So that Thursday night, we're going to have our big reveal. We're going to have guest speaker in. We're going to have our big missions trip reveal. What? Uh, more, what? But more importantly, we are going to be uh, receiving an offering that is going directly to missionaries who are on the ground. Yeah. Right? That is who that's who are going for. So we, you guys get prepared, get together as small groups, and we're going to raise what we hope to be the largest offering we've ever given to missions yet. All right? All right. Who's pumped? Let's go. Yeah, come on. Come on. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> Speaking of giving, uh, we have offering tonight. Offering, heck yeah, yeah. So um, offering is for those of you who come on a regular basis who, who feel led to give, right? So maybe the Lord is putting a number on your heart that you feel like you should give to this ministry. Uh, we, <laughs> oh, wow. Thank Was you, that George. the voice of the Lord? He Thank sounds you, George, for giving $1,000. Amazing, amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, we're going to pray over that right now. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you provide for us, God. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to worry about um, tomorrow, that we don't have to worry about what we're going to eat or where we're going to sleep or what we're going to wear, Jesus, because you provide for us. Thank you, Lord, for that. God, I pray that um, this offering would go uh, just straight back to you, Jesus, that it would be used for your kingdom and for your good and your glory, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Now, if uh, Duncan will come up and uh, you guys know him, love him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at that man. What's up, guys? Hey, so tonight uh, I have a pretty awesome privilege. But before I get to that, 
Uh, several weeks ago, we told you that throughout the school year, we're going to be having some guests come in from uh, who are pastors of different churches in the area, and tr- it's churches that we love, churches that we trust. Uh, and so if, if you see a pastor up here saying hello to you or passing out something to you, it means we love them and we trust them, okay? So we had someone come out several weeks ago when we were still at the outdoor theater, but tonight I want to introduce Pastor Jonathan Smith. Will you come up? <laughs> pastor Jonathan and his wife, Jolyn, they pastor Glad Tidings Assembly right here in Greeley. And let me tell you something, before, before I give the mic to you, let me tell you something. I've been in Greeley for, for quite a while, several years. And when these guys became the pastors of this church, something happened. The Holy Spirit fell on this church, and God has been doing something with this little church and has been reaching a city, reaching a city, reaching a school, and the, Lord is, the Lord's hand is upon this church. I went and spoke there, I don't remember when that was, like last spring, and I walked into that church, and that church was filled. It was filled with all kinds of generations of people, and that's a sign of health. And so we as a ministry, we want to get behind these guys. We want to partner with them. So I'm going to give the mic over to them, and they're going to talk a little bit about their church, okay? So y'all give it up. Woo! Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Duncan, for allowing us to come out. Uh, again, my name I'm Pastor Jonathan. I'm the pastor at Glad Tidings Church, and my lovely wife, uh, Jolene. Amen. Uh, <laughs> thank y'all so much for this time to come out. Um, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was actually this past spring. We barely became the pastors in February, and it was so awesome to be able to be welcomed so much by uh, D- uh, Duncan and all the Greeley. It's been amazing. Um, as Duncan said, yes, God has opened up doors for us to reach into the schools. Uh, we became pretty much the whole church became volunteers where we actually get to go and eat lunch with the kids. We get to hang out with them. Uh, every Friday, we give away hamburgers and hot dogs to the kids. And uh, even this past week, we gave, man, probably about 410 hamburgers and hot dogs. And uh, we just stepped into Madison Elementary and started working there, as well as Franklin, getting into all the schools. Um, just seeing God reach and touch the hearts of so many kids that have been broken, kids coming from different homes and families that you never know what they've gone through. Uh, but to be able to reach into their lives and allow God to touch their lives to pretty much, you know, it's like Abraham Lincoln said, uh, the, genera- the generation of one classroom will be the generation of the government in the next. And so if we can touch these children at where they are now, we would alter the government in the next and see God move over their hearts. But um, I just praise God for everything that he's doing and the doors that he's opened up. Uh, I'll let my wife share more. Amen. Praise God. I'm so good to, glad to be here. We have a couple of friends here who are also in our in our fall outreach that we're having in a couple of weeks, which if you did not get a flyer, raise your hand and one will be provided for you with our special guests we have here, Sister Linda and Brother B are passing out flyers as well. If you, if you did not get a flyer, we'll get one to you. Amen. Well, we have a. Um, we are just so blessed to be here. Um, um, I'm, I thank God because you know sometimes God brings you a uh, full circle, right? Um, I I praise God. I was raised in church my whole life. I was born and raised here in Greeley, but um, you know when after I graduated Bible college, <coughs> sorry, when I was 29, I went into the ministry. But now the Lord brought, brought me back now just this year, and you know we being in the pastors here of this church. 
And I praise God because it's only been eight months, but we have seen God just do so many um, miracles and, and transform lives. And, and we're all about reaching souls, reaching for souls for Jesus, right? Because the Bible says to work while it is still day. How many know that Jesus is coming back soon? Amen. So we need to go out, get out there and preach the gospel and fulfill the great commission that God has called us to, right? We have a, we have a, um, we got to share God's love with everyone we meet. And we got to um, just get the word out because Jesus loves everyone and he wants everyone to have a chance, you know, to ask him to come into their life. And, you know, when you have Jesus in your life, it just transforms um, you from the inside out, right? And so we, we know that, you know, we, we're behind, you know, Chi Alpha, and it's so glad, we're glad to be partnering with you all. And we pray for you all. We pray for this city. And we've been praying even before, um, you know, we put our application in. And, and we're just praying, God, you know, if it's your will, be done. You know, um, Lord, we want to pray that, Lord, you give us a city. And you give us a heart for the people. And that's what he's done. You know, and I was born and raised in this city. And, and I, I praise God because even before I left, I, I didn't want to leave without, you know, spreading God's word out here. And I was in the... Um, I was one of the OGs, you know, <laughs> Master's Commission. It was here, Greeley Master's Commission. You probably don't even know what that is. But anyway, it was in 98 when I graduated. But um, I praise God because he is is just just doing something here with this little, small, little church. We started out with maybe just 10 or 15 people, and we praise God because now we're growing, you know, maybe to like 60, you know, on a regular basis. And God's just moving one one soul at a time, amen? It's always to one soul. So we want um, you all just to be praying for us as well as we're praying for you. And we know that with this fall outreach, we're just declaring, you know, that people will hear the gospel message, and we, we want to invite you to come out for that. And I know Pastor has more to say about that. Yeah, because... Um uh, this outreach, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people were asking, well, um, was this just like a, a trunk or treat or something like that? But honestly, these people are seeing a reality of life in the video that they're about to show. Um, they see the reality of what it is when the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And what happens in this video, uh, which, I'll, you know, because y'all are here, I'll give you more detail than I would anybody else. Um, but um, there, there's going to be a motorcycle accident. They're going to go and face God. God's going to judge them. They're going to go into a hell scene. There's going to have a heaven scene, and we're going to be asking people to accept the Lord into their hearts, and it is a community outreach, and we're just here to reach souls and the people of this city. Amen. Amen. But um, Pastor Dunk, go ahead. Hey, before, before we get into the message tonight, I just want to pray for these guys. So you guys come up. Let's all, let's all stand, and we're going to lift our hands to these guys. We're going to pray for this church. We're going to pray for this outreach. And uh, tonight, before you leave, if this is something that you want to be involved in, if you want to be involved in direct witness to the community, uh, sharing the gospel to people that may have never heard the gospel before, I want you to come talk to these guys and uh, ask how you can get involved. So let's pray. Let's all lift our hands to these guys and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Glad Tidings Church. We thank you for Jonathan and Jolyn and their whole team, God. We thank you, Jesus, that they're making a difference in this community, God. Lord, we love to see these kids reached. Uh, every week, God, when they serve hamburgers and hot dogs out there, God, we know that the seeds of the gospel are being planted, Lord, that they're finding a safe place in their community to be real with one another. So, Jesus, I pray that you continue to bless these guys, bless their church, bless all of their volunteers and their members, Lord, and everyone who works on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights and whenever they have service, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way, that you would invade that building, that you would invade that lawn space when they're 
there serving kids in the community, God. And Lord, we just pray especially for this outreach that's coming this fall, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that your hand would be in everything that happens, God. Lord, that, that, that whoever comes, God, would hear the truth uh, of, of eternity, God, uh, of, of places that we could go for eternity, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that you would, you would have your way, that you would use these things that we bring to you, God, and you would turn them into mighty things, oh Jesus. And we lean on you, we lean on your power and your authority, and we, we don't rely on our own abilities. And so, Jesus, tonight, we give you the glory and we give you the honor. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, y'all give it up. Woo! Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Y'all can have a seat. So tonight, I'm excited to introduce our speaker tonight. Many of you have come to know this wonderful, amazing man's man named Jacob Holiday. Come on up here, man. Before before I give him the mic, I just wanna I just wanna say something. First of all, this yeah. guy's my next door neighbor. If you oh, guys yeah, didn't great. know that, love it. And uh, he'll call me about everything. <laughs> everything. Man. He, he comes over for ingredients for stuff he's Amen. making. And I'm I'm, just, I'm gonna tell you, I am so overjoyed that the Lord has put this guy and his wife in my life. I first met you guys in 2017. Yes, summer of 2017. Right after we got married. Well, we didn't get married. Well, no. Callie and I. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, 2017, you. and, and uh, these guys were interns in Texas, Chi Alpha interns, and, yep. and I just kind of said, hey, the Lord wants to do something in Greeley, and we want you guys to be a part. And it took them almost four years That's to right. say yes, but they came. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah. And so now we got them on our team, and it's pretty amazing. Y'all heard from Callie a couple weeks ago. Oh, it was yeah. Amazing. She's the best. So tonight, I want, I want you guys to shake this room by, by, by noise you're going to make for Jacob Dakota Holiday. Come on, give it up. Woo! Yeah. Thank you very much. You're too kind. Too kind. Uh, man, I just want to say I am super excited to be here tonight. All right? Literally, it's the grace of God, by all means, for everything. But I just, I'm so grateful. Uh, the Lord's put this on my heart. I get to share with you my favorite verse in the whole Bible, and it has definitely changed my life. So my favorite verse is Genesis 50:20. It says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good, to bring me to the position I am in right now to save many lives. Right? Now, there's a lot of backstory to this verse. Like, the verse itself sounds incredible, but picture with me, if you will, the story of Joseph. Now, what? now imagine with me that you are in a giant family with like 12 siblings, right? Like this one. Um, so, now, I don't know. So, and then uh, picture this, right? You're a brother or a sister in this family, and one of the younger brothers is like the favorite. And I mean the favorite, okay? I'm talking so much so to where your dad gives him a coat of many colors, right? <laughs> to where it's like, obviously, he's dad's favorite. Are, are, are you kidding me? Like, like, so that way, no matter where he's at, no matter where he goes, you're just like, well, there's dad's favorite. And you get the, oh, that is, uh, that is the one and only Jacob Peck. Yes, it is. For, those, for the uninitiated, that is Mr. Peck himself as a young child with his twin brother and other 11 siblings. Um, it's incredible. Thank you, Jake, for letting me use this. 
Um, so picture with me, if you will, that you're one of these siblings of, we'll just say Joseph, right? And after years of putting up with dad saying, why can't you be more like Joseph? All right? Or, no, Joseph doesn't have to do that. He's, he's got more important things to do. You, you go tend the sheep. And all dad talks about is Joseph, Joseph, Joseph. Right? And then we're talking, and then like, this goes on for probably about close to a decade. And you're just sick of it. Right? So one day, you and the rest of your siblings are out there in the field being a shepherd as one does. Right? Just, just as one does. And all of a sudden, over the hill, you see the coat. All those stupid colors. And you just say, today's the day. Today's the day we get, we finally shut him up. Right? And, and to top it all off, Joseph, he has these dreams that he keeps telling everyone about. Right? One of, in, in, in every dream, the whole family's bowing down to him. How pretentious. Right? The nerve of this kid. Right? So you're like, today's the day this ends. So you and the rest of the brothers are like, we should kill him. We should just kill him and frame it and get it done with, right? And they're like, okay, maybe, okay maybe, maybe that's a bit too much. Let's just sell him into slavery. That sounds great. We'll make a little money. We'll frame the death. Never have to see him again. Right? <laughs> Praise God. Not quite so much. Um, so if we'll go down to the next one. So you, you, you sell him into slavery. So, you know, <laughs> you sell him into slavery for, for, you know, 20 shekels of silver. And you just mar- and then all of a sudden you just see him marching off. You get to keep the coat. You cover it in blood. You're rejoicing. Never again do we have to deal with his stuff. You know, and so you cover the coat in blood. You take it home. You tell your dad, oh, our animal got him. And then for the next, you know, 30 years, your dad mourns his death. But that's beside the point. You don't have to deal with him, right? So then Joseph, he gets taken down to Egypt. He gets sold to an incredibly high up position, like Pharaoh's captain of the guard, right? And Joseph starts just, everything just starts going well as soon as Joseph shows up, right? He's doing well. Potiphar doesn't have to worry about a thing. That's the guy's name, Potiphar. But there's another thing that Joseph's really good at. He's really good looking, right? And so Potiphar's what? That's right, just like our Mr. Peck. And so the thing is, Potiphar's wife, well, she's kind of a, yeah, you you can fill in an an adjective. Um, And so she catches eyes for Joseph. And so literally, I don't know how long this goes on, but the Bible says it's pretty consistent. She's constantly begging him to go to bed with her, right? And every time Joseph says, no, far be it for me to sin against God, right? Wow, what what a man. Right? What a man. That's incredible. Right? That's right. And then one day, she just has enough, and she says, today is the day. And so she grabs him by the shirt and tries to rip him into her bed, and he says, I mean, as you can tell, no, nah. you know, uh, no, nah. and then he just runs off, taken off. She keeps, she has his cloak in his hand, and then to, you know, cover her butt, she claims that Joseph tried to sleep with her, that tried to rape her. Right? So Potiphar's clearly, obviously, understandably mad. Right? So he sells Joseph off. Well, not sells him, but sends him to, to jail. And in that jail, Joseph meets two of Pharaoh's officials who get sent there, and he interprets two of their dreams that both come true. Right? And then the, one of them goes back to Pharaoh, and the other one, well, his dream came true, and he died. And so a couple years go by. A couple years go by. He's still in prison. Right? And the thing is, He's doing pretty well in prison, all things considered. Like, things are going well, as well as they can be when you're locked up. So, 
All of a sudden, Pharaoh has this dream that no one can interpret, right? No one can interpret. And all of a sudden, the guy remembers, oh, that's right, there's a guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. I told him I was going to tell Pharaoh about him. I should probably do that now. And so he does, right? And so all of a sudden, Joseph shows up, and Pharaoh tells him his dream. Joseph interprets it that in seven years, there's going to be an incredibly bad famine, but before that, there's going to be an incredible bountiful harvest. So you seem to make preparations. So what happens? Well, as Joseph's brothers would find out, of course, their brother gets special treatment again. And he gets put into be second in command to all of Egypt, the most powerful kingdom in the world at this point, right? And so uh, imagine finding this out secondhand as your brother's like, we tried to sell him into slavery, and now he's better than us again? Uh, so, uh, but then the famine hits, and the whole, Joseph's whole family, they're, they're without food. And so they find out that, well, there's food in Egypt, so we should go there. All right? And so they show up, and, well, they, <laughs> they show up, and Joseph sees them coming from a distance, right? And so what does he do? Now, he could have revenge at this point. He could. But what does he do? I mean, the Bible says that he wept when he saw them, and that he was so overjoyed to see his brothers, especially his little brother Benjamin, and he takes them in cares for them, takes over their needs, and as you can tell, he's clearly happy. Come on. And so, then, fast forward a couple more years, Jacob, their father, otherwise known as Israel, he, he dies, right? Just as, as one does when you're old. And so, the brothers all of a sudden have been nursing this, this, this fear because they know they, they screwed up. They, I mean, they tried to kill him, throw him in a slave, you know, all these horrible things. And they were worried that now that dad's dead, he's finally going to get that revenge that he's probably been wanting this whole time. Just like they got their revenge a while back. And so they come to Joseph, begging him, please have mercy on us for the evil we did. We're so sorry. Oh my. And Joseph just sees them. And he breaks down in tears at the thought that they would think so little of him. He had just spent years providing for them and caring for them, and now they still think that he wants to kill them. And, he, and then that's where this verse comes in. He says, no, no, no. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And, he, and through it, he brought me to the position I am in right now to save many lives. And he says, no, don't worry. I will provide for you and your little ones. I love you. And he does. So, how does this tie in with me, me right? Well, as, as you know, Callie and I moved here in March, right? So, most of us, um, so, right? Yeah, thank you. It's all her. Um, so, we moved here in March, so most of you probably don't know my story. But let me tell you, the guy on the left, that guy's dead. That guy's not there anymore. I'm going to tell you the story, my story, a little bit of how I got from that to that on how the Lord did it. So the thing is, is that my story would probably have some people question the goodness of God. I'm just going to be straight up with you. I'm an only child, and I grew up, and both of my parents were addicted to some very hard drugs. And 
I found out later that the, biggest, the big reason for that was because they both had trauma that they were trying to cope with. They really didn't have an understanding of who Jesus was or anything like that, so they were just doing whatever could help the pain, right? And due to the drugs and the lifestyle that they led, um, they were very abusive to each other, physically, verbally, emotionally, phys- you know, all the things. And I'm an only child, unlike Peck. And so me being an only child, whenever they would fight, and I do mean fight physically, I was the one that had to break it up, right? And so when I remember I was always afraid because one of my greatest fears was that they would finally kill each other. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Um, and to be completely honest with you, they never directed their violence towards me, which I'm very grateful for. And in spite of all the drugs, they really did love me as well as they could. And I'm very grateful for that as well. But because of the lifestyle that they led and just some other things that happened, like I, I did experience trauma from that, but it, didn't just, it wasn't just them. I had some people in my life, um, some friends that, and kind of family as a child that are about the same age or older that abused me physically, mentally, emotionally, and sometimes even sexually. And I didn't know what was going on. All this happened before I was nine years old, right? And then you mix that. And then in the midst of all this, I was introduced to pornography when I was five. And then by the time I was seven, I was a full-blown addict. Seven years old. Because I, I just didn't know. I, in the midst of everything going on, it was the one outlet I had because I didn't know Jesus. I had no, I had no introduction to him. How incredible is it, like, we have churches like Glad Tidings who are reaching the children like that, who are in probably very similar situations, right? And so I was just coping. And honestly, from, from the sexual abuse, I was just kind of nurturing something that had been open in me prematurely. And so when I was nine, my parents got a really nasty divorce, really nasty. And I ended up moving to Arizona with my dad, and my mom stayed in Iowa where I was born. And the shock of everything that had happened mixed with moving to an entirely new place with no family except my dad and no friends. Living in a one-bedroom apartment with my dad, we took turns on who got the bed and who got the couch. Um, In the midst of all these things and also being, and I mean fat, I should have put up a picture, but I couldn't see my toes until I was a junior in high school, okay? I was obese. In third grade, I was 140 pounds, okay? So needless to say, I was an easy target. And so everyone made fun of me. So in the midst of everything going on, you got that going on too, I spiraled into a deep depression at nine years old that would last with me for the next half of my life, right? And between the ages of nine and 20, I tried to kill myself five times. Thankfully, because of the grace of God and some really incredible friends, it never worked. It never happened. And I'm still here today because of it. Now, in the midst of my depression, there was really only a couple people that knew how bad I was. One of them being my best friend, Mike, who actually stopped me from killing myself a couple times. And how did did no one know? Well, it's pretty easy, and probably some of you here already know know what I'm going to say. If you make enough people laugh, no one asks how you're really doing. You can hide a lot behind a smile. And so that's what I did. I hid behind inappropriate humor and a cheap smile. And no one asked except a couple people. And then I got to college. And all that internal suffering, I had an outlet for it with partying and drinking and pornography and smoking pot. And I just gave myself over to it completely. 
And as, and as some of you might know, the more you give over to sin, the less reality you have. And the less reality you have, the less you know who you are. And I had no idea who I was, which only makes you spiral more. Because you have no foundation to stand on. And then my best friend, Mike, who I was living with, thankfully, he was agnostic at the time. He got plugged into Chi Alpha at the University of Arizona. And he quickly gave his life to Jesus. Thank the Lord. And he, being one of the only ones who knew how bad I really was, kept inviting me and inviting me and inviting me to small groups. Some of you here were that person, right? You just kept getting, and you just went to shut him up because you felt bad. And you're just like, fine, I'll go. And I did. And that's exactly why I went, just to shut him up. And so when I showed up, I was instantly greeted with more love and acceptance than I had ever seen, especially from a group of strangers. I mean, a, I, and I mean, I was rough to love, okay? I think some of you, you, you might understand. You might have been that person. I definitely was. I came in there purposefully cussing, making horrible, horrendous jokes that I, I, it, ugh, makes me just gross to think about. Um, and yet they just kept loving the literal hell out of me. They kept loving me and loving me for two years with almost no growth. I didn't change at all. And they kept loving me. I even left for a year so I could go back to partying. And then eventually, I got, a po- I got to a point where I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. I finally didn't just hit rock bottom. I bounced off it, okay? All right? And one night, I just got so low. I was like, Lord, Lord Jesus, if you're as real as they say you are, then I need you to do something. Either you end it or I end it, because I can't keep dealing with this depression and this anxiety and these suicidal thoughts that are with me every day of the week. I can't deal with the voices that are in my head telling me to do horrible, wicked things. Please, Lord God, help me. And then I, I went and I went to sleep because I just I was exhausted. And I am pretty sure I, I, it's hard for me to get the exact time right, but I swear it was like the next day. Everything was different. When you have held that weight of depression and anxiety for that long, you know when it's gone. And it was gone. All the voices in my head were gone. All the stuff that I had been through, all the suicidal thoughts, everything was gone, and it seemed like a moment. I remember the first time I went outside. I went outside, and it was like I had never seen before, okay? The colors were brighter. The smells were better. The sounds were clearer, and praise God, the food even tasted better. Amen. That's right. Taste and see that he is good. I'm on now. So... And then, and a few years later, after the Lord had been continually working on me, I came across this verse. And the Lord showed me, he said, Jake, everything that the enemy meant for evil towards you, everything that other people tried to do to you, I'm going to use it for good. And I'm going to bring you to a position where you will get to save many lives. And I stand before you today as fulfillment of that verse, and he's not done yet. So there's a few things that the Lord's shown me through this verse I'd love to share with you. So the first one, our lives will not be easy. Our lives will not be easy. If someone told you being a Christian or giving your life to Jesus was going to make your life easy, they lied to you and they sold you a bad bill of sale. They, they, that is not the truth. Jesus himself says in John 16.33, I have told you, in, so in the midst of all this context, He's just telling them how he's about to die and get raised from the dead. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. 
How realistic is that? How honest is that? For me, that's encouraging because when things hit the fan, I know that it's not like, oh, God, what's happening? He's like, no, he's still in control. Right? Praise the Lord. Now, and realistically, most, most people here in this room can probably relate really highly to that second sentence. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrows. And I looked it up. Studies show about two out of three college students have been through some sort of traumatic event in their life. So it's, a safe, it's pretty safe to assume that most people here have been through some hard stuff. Right? And for some of us, that trauma is the defining event in your life. And it is the thing that you filter the rest of your life through. The thing that you want to be free from so much that that actually becomes your idol is getting rid of it instead of getting closer to Jesus. And I've been there, so I can say it. But with Jesus, these horrible things are only the beginning. They're only, they're only a, a, a part of the story. They're not the whole thing. See, with Jesus, he promises that the end will be peace, and it will be him. So both during and after these hardships, he conquers it. That word overcomes in Greek means he conquers, he rules, he overcomes, he rules it all, and he will use it for good if you let him, and you let go of it. So we can rest in the fact that people, no matter how strong they might seem, cannot control your destiny. God alone is, is the one who controls it and overcomes it, and he is the one who gets the final say in the outcome of your life. So whether we have experienced it or not directly, all of us have had evil planned against us, sometimes from people, sometimes from family and friends, but every time it's from the enemy. In one way, shape, or form, the enemy hates everyone here, but thankfully God does not. He loves us, and I'm going to tell you what, he wins. And so the thing is, we can rejoice because we, we, we we're in good company here when bad stuff happens. I don't know if you know this, but from the moment that Jesus was, was, was formed in Mary's womb, he had evil planned against him. Right? From the very moment he was formed in the womb. And it led, and every time the evil was planned more and more, it led him to the cross. And that led to the empty tomb. And that led to our salvation. Once again, God uses what the enemy means for evil, and he uses it for good. So how refreshing is the honesty and the reality of Christ? We will have trouble, but he rules all and gets the final say. There's a story I want to tell you. It's one of my favorites. It has marked my life, and I love it. So there's a, there's a famous preacher from back in the mid-1800s to the early 1900s. His name's Samuel Chadwick. And he, one day, was wondering what he was going to preach. And so he decided to take a walk in the village. And walking along, he comes to the blacksmith shop. And he saw this giant, hulking monster of a man with this giant sledgehammer and a, and a leather vest. And he's just swinging. And he's hitting this piece of metal. And he's just hitting it and pounding it. And he's pounding it like crazy. And besides this monster of a man was a tiny frame man in a well-dressed suit hitting the metal with a tiny hammer. So Samuel Chadwick was wondering, well, you know, he just walked over and he started talking to this giant dude with the big hammer because he figured he was the blacksmith. And then the finely dressed man stopped him. He said, sir, I'm the blacksmith. He's like, what? But, but this man's doing all the work. He's doing all the work. What do, you, what do you mean you're the blacksmith? He said, sir, you see, 
this man right here, he's actually just kind of an idiot. That, that's what it said in the story. So I'm just going just gonna to put it out there. He said, uh, yes, ma'am, but this man is nothing more than an idiot. This man has no clue what he's doing. He's beating this piece of metal, and I'm telling him exactly where to hit it. I'm telling him exactly how many times to hit it. I'm telling him exactly how hard to hit it. This imbecile believes that he is destroying this piece of metal, but I'm using him to create a work of art. And Chadwick observed them again, and he realized that no sooner would the blacksmith tap the iron with a small hammer that the big man would come on the other side of the anvil and hit it with the big hammer, crushing down and hitting the iron in the exact spot that the blacksmith had hit at the exact amount of times that he would hit it with the hammer. As, and he regulated the stroke, he regulated the, the amount, and he regulated the strength of it. And thus, you have... And so Chadwick, he observed them again and realized that no sooner would that happen that the blacksmith would regulate everything. And so he had a sermon. And thus you have the relationship between the devil and God in a believer's life. The devil will stand there beat and beat, thinking he is destroying you. But then the sovereignty of God, he can only hit exactly where God tells him to hit. He can only hit as many times as God tells him to hit. He can only hit as hard as God tells him to hit. And that is a wonderful thing. Because we don't, we don't, we, all we need to do is look to the story of Peter's denial or of Job. And we can see God using it. And so this, the quote from Samuel Chadwick goes like this. And so God holds the soul, and he regulates the stroke. And sometimes he makes the devil his hammer man, and Satan strikes to smash. And God regulates the stroke and turns Satan's malice into our perfecting. And the devil sweats at the task of fashioning saints into the likeness of Christ. I love this story. This is why I'm here today. And truth be told, it's why most of us are here tonight. And we, like Joseph, can say that all that was intended for evil against us, or worse, God has and will continue to redeem to good things and so that we may be brought to positions to save many lives. And he offers that same thing, that same promise, his same sovereignty to everyone here tonight. Just remember this, too. We all carry with us scars from the things that we've been through. And I promise you today, they are not supposed to be blemishes of shame, but badges of honor. I searched the other religions. There's only one who was scarred for you. And that is Jesus. Even, even when in, in his resurrected body, it says that Jesus still had the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, and the hole in his side. He bore those scars with honor. And we can too. Don't you dare hide them. They are a testimony of God's grace in your life. Secondly, Jesus can redeem it all. And how great is this Jesus that he not only redeems the things that have been done to us, but he also redeems the things that we have done to others. He doesn't just use the things that have happened to us. He uses us as well. All of the sins that we've committed to other people and to Jesus, he can turn around for good. And how do I know this? Well, the Bible says it. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose for them. Now, do you know what the word everything means in Greek? Any ideas? Everything. It means everything. Okay? So if you can think of it, that includes it. 
Not too hard, right? But it is incredibly wonderful, right? That means he gets to use the good things we've done, the bad things we've done, the ugly things we've done, and just everything. The only question is, is can you trust him with it? See, look at how Jesus used other people's sins. Why do you think he won't use yours? Why do you think the mistakes you've made are too big for him? How, how small of a view of God do we have if we think that? Clearly, we think our sin's far bigger than him. And that's a problem. That is a big problem. But thankfully, he's patient, and he's kind, and he's loving, and he will continue to work. Oh. And not only does, does Jesus use our sins and our mistakes, not only does he redeem them, but he also forgives them. He doesn't just leave us there, but he makes us new. And although there is no conditions for Jesus' love, there are definitely conditions for his forgiveness. So, the first thing, we must confess and repent from our sins, from every evil thing, every sinful act and motive that we've done to Jesus and to other people. Now, the word repent kind of gets thrown around a lot, and honestly, outside of Christianity, not many people know what it means. So I'm going to break it down for you. It's pretty simple, and it's very awesome. Repenting doesn't mean you feel bad. It doesn't just mean that. Obviously, you probably should feel bad in a little bit. But the biggest thing about repenting is that you're walking this direction towards sin, and then you turn around, and you go back to Jesus. Repenting just means turning around. Because you cannot go in the same direction as sin and Jesus. You will go to one, but you cannot go to both. So if that's all it means to repent is to turn around. And what's great is, is God has a great promise for those who confess and repent. In 1 John 1, 9, another one of my favorite verses. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, God isn't, God isn't just satisfied with getting rid of your sin. He's not just there to put a Band-Aid on you. He's, made to, he's there to make you new. He's, made, he's there, and he wants to make you into his image. He's not, he's, he's not just going to let you sit in your stuff, in the muck and the mire. He's going to pick you up. He's going to clean you. He's going he's to robe you with his righteousness and clean you up and give you new desires. And I know this because he did it for me. You know how crazy it is to one, one morning or one night you go to bed as a porn addict and you wake up the next morning and you don't even want to watch it? You know how freaking weird that is? It's awesome. And he, it's available. Now, I'm not saying the things never came back or that the, the desires didn't creep back up or that I never had another hard time, but I'm telling you, the roots are gone. They're, they're gone. I know where I stand, and I'm with him, and he's got my back. So the second thing that we must do to get forgive, God's forgiveness is we must forgive others. We must forgive them who have sinned against us. And Jesus has very strong things to say about this. Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15 says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's a hard verse. Now, I just want to clarify something. Forgiveness is not saying that what was been done to you is right. It's not saying that what the person did was okay. It's not saying that you need to let them back into your life. What it's saying is, Lord Jesus, I trust you. 
and I know what you paid. My, I know that you paid for my sin. So far be it for me to withhold this from you as well. It's saying, Jesus, you paid my debt, and I know that you want to pay theirs as well. So I give it to you because you're my Lord, and I trust you. You see, unforgiveness is a poison that we drink thinking that the other person's going to die. That's what it is. Why, why are we drinking it thinking they're going to die? We're the ones suffering. They're not. So if, you for, if, if we refuse to forgive, then we are saying, Jesus, you can have everything else, but not this. This is too big. I cannot do this for you. I cannot give this to you. And anything that we cannot entrust to Jesus is our real Lord. Okay? Anything that we cannot give to Jesus, that's what's, our, that's what's actually Lord of our life. And the thing about Jesus is he will not share a throne with anything or anyone else. He must be Lord of all or not at all. There is no, there is no gray area with him. And only, and I'll be honest with you, this took me a while to get here, but only, even, even with all the stuff I've, I've done, only when we see how sinful we are and how much we have broken God's heart and how much he continually forgives us and loves us and takes care of us, only then, when we've seen how bad we are and how good he is, can we truly forgive everyone else no matter what they've done to us. If you're having a hard time forgiving, I pray that you would ask the Lord to show you just how much he's done for you in spite of how, how, how much you've broke his heart. Because I know I have, and I do it more often than I'd like. If the praise team would, uh, would come up, we're going to be wrapping up here soon. Uh, the third thing, and probably the biggest thing, is that Jesus must be our master of all. All of this. The redemption, the salvation, the freedom is good news, but it's not even the best news. The best news is that for it to happen, you only have to do one thing. Just one thing. There's no big thing you got to do. It's not outweighing your good and your bad. It's not cleaning yourself up, making yourself look nice. It's not making yourself great. It's just coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, Jesus, I want you to be my God. How many of us have screwed up and made a mistake even once? Raise your hand. Just once. Just once is all it takes. If you're not raising your hand, you're a liar. Um, <laughs> but honestly, though, if you've made even just one mistake, like I have, I, then we are not qualified to be our Lord. We've already disqualified ourselves by messing up. We do not have the power or the wisdom to fix ourselves. Jesus alone is the only one who's qualified to be our Lord and our Savior. And he is the only one who's able to take all the bad things that have happened in our lives, all the bad things that we've done, and use them for good. You see, our lives are like a tapestry. They're woven, and we don't really, it doesn't make much sense. It just looks kind of like a tangled mess of threads and of things. It's like this woven bookmark, right? And when, when all we see in our life is all the junk, we, 
We just say, Lord, what's going on here? This just looks like a mess. Is there any hope? But we're only seeing one side of this thing. See, on the other side, it has an incredible promise. It says, be still and know that I am God. This is just one of the promises. And so, rejoice. If you think your life is too messed up, if there's just been too many things that have happened, if you can't make sense of it, that's okay. You don't have to. You just have to come to him. And he's already made sense of it. And if you'll trust him, he'll use your tangled mess to make something incredible and beautiful. Far better than we could ever do on our own. So, so no matter what happens in this life, if you can hang on to these two things, I promise you, you can make it through anything. I have held them dear. And I, they have brought me through quite a bit. The two things are very simple. They're this. Is that Jesus is always in control. And that everything he does is good. No matter what happens, if you can hold on, and I do mean hold on. You can't just limp wrist it. Okay, you have to hold on for dear life because this life, as most, as a lot of you probably know, is out to get you. You are going to have some of the worst times in your life if you haven't already. In this world, you will have trials and sorrows and tears, but Jesus is there every step of the way, and He is there bottling up every tear. He knows everything you're suffering because He's already suffered it. He knows every way that you've been tempted because He's been tempted by it. and he overcame it and if you give your life to him then he'll give his life to you and he'll give you that same strength to overcome it but you have to come to him you have to make him your lord before he can be your savior so I'm going to invite you tonight the staff would come up on the sides we're going to be offering some prayer but first things first and foremost The Bible talks about how when one person gives their life to Jesus, that there's a party in heaven. That the angels are going crazy up there. That things are going wild for just one person. And so with every eye open, and everybody here in equal need of Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus, I want you to stand up right now so we can rejoice with the angels welcome you home into the family so if you want to give your life to Jesus or if you want to recommit your life to Jesus I invite you to stand right now don't wait don't you wait let's go thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you Lord Jesus welcome welcome home I promise you you will never regret this it will not be easy, but my God, is he worth it. Well, those around them, you saw who they were, the leaders around them, your small group leaders, anything like that, go pray for them. Go pray together. Welcome your brother. Welcome your sister. So heaven just got a little bit more full, and we can all rejoice with that. Thank you, Lord. Secondly, if you need to forgive someone or if you need to ask forgiveness, tonight is the time to do it. And if they're in the room, I suggest you go find them. And you go ask for forgiveness or you go forgive them. 
Because far be it from us to leave this room unchanged. To, 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 to not give Jesus what, he's, what He is due and what He is worth, and that is a family that is together. And if you need prayer to seek to, and to help for forgiveness, because I know it's hard. There's been things that have been done to you and things that you've done that just are just, they seem irreconcilable. If you need help with that, come up and get some prayer. Go to the person that brought you and pray and ask them to pray for you. And I, pray, and I know that the Lord will give you the strength to do it because I've gotten to forgive every person who has abused me. And I tell you what, I'm free. And, and, and Jesus is working in their life something awesome because I didn't hold on to it. So don't hold it any longer. And if you need prayer for some sort of inner healing from this trauma and the pain, come up and get prayer. And I promise you that the great physician, the Lord Jesus, will bring healing. And we will not have to bear that burden alone anymore. And lastly, if you just need prayer for anything else, why wait? Come get some prayer. Lord, we love you and we thank you. You are worthy. Please help us. Thank you for everything, Jesus. Amen. For more information, please visit xaunc.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash xaunc. Our Instagram handle is at xaunc and you can find all of our content on our YouTube channel by searching for Chi Alpha UNC. Until next time, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering.